so glad that you're with us today, and we're continuing on in our new series, The Power of Proper Perspective. Uh, Last week, we looked at the source of joy, and we said that joy is different from happiness in that it's anchored to God and the gospel, as opposed to happiness which is so often driven by emotion and circumstance. And we, we realize that we can all choose a perspective of joy, no matter what happens, because of the fact that it is tied to God and the good news of Jesus and nothing else. Uh, This week, as we continue on through Philippians, we'll be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to be talking about Christ-like community. Christ-like community. When I say the word community, that's something we're all familiar with in a broad sense. We all all understand the concept of community in a general sense. You know, we, we, uh, we use that word to refer to where we live, and we understand that that's, that's the area in which we live, our local surroundings. That's maybe your neighborhood. Uh, we understand that there's a work community that you have uh, at your place of work that's unique to that place of work. Uh, you might think of uh, even your school as a, as a community in and of itself. So generally, community is something that just about all of us have or participate in at a basic level in a general sense. Uh, here's what the, the definition of community is uh, as defined by the dictionary online. It's a group of people sharing common characteristics or interests, having a sense of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Um, so, I mean, that's something that you know, pretty much anyone can, can participate in. Pretty much anyone can have. Uh, if you're at a place of work, you're going to share common goals at the workplace. If you're in school, you have the common purpose of being in school. Uh, so, I mean, that's something that's pretty easy to, to manufacture. Here's what, here's what I would define, though, as Christ-like community. And it really is different. It goes much deeper than just general community. Christ-like community, as, as I define it, is a group of people centered and unified, centered and unified around Christ that consistently loves and serves one another as a result of their shared love and service for Christ. And that part is key. Uh, That's part of what makes Christ-like community so significant, what, what makes it so different from regular community. It's that it's a group centered and unified around Christ above all other things, and that the the love and the service to one another that takes place in that Christ-like community is a direct result of shared love and service for Christ. See, we cannot love and serve one another well if we are not actively and passionately loving and serving Jesus first. Because our love and service, our mutual love and service, it has to flow. It has to spring from that love and service that is done to Jesus first and foremost. Because we just can't manufacture that on our own. We're just not able to do it. Maybe for a little bit, you know, maybe for a little while I can love you well and I can serve you and you can me. But at some point, we're going we're gonna to stop on that. Like we're going to fall short. We're going to kind of run out of gas on that. But if if our love and service for one another is constantly tied to our love and service for Jesus Christ and it's energized by the Holy Spirit, then we're able to keep going with that. We're able to to keep showing love and and service and selflessness and respect to one another. 
There's a good picture of Christ-like community, what that looks like in the early church, in the first church. And I don't have this on your handout. It's not going to be on the screen. You don't have to turn here, but just at least listen to what we see as a a brilliant picture of Christ-like community in Acts chapter 2. Specifically, verses 44 through 47 says this, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property as, and, and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. The early church is just this magnificent picture of what happens when people choose to be a Christ-like community above any other sense of community. It's incredible what can happen. You see selflessness on display. You see humility on display. You see people serving one another. You see people loving one another more than they love themselves. you, You see people glorifying and praising God with passion that drives everything they do. And you see all of that working to to be this incredible display before the people outside of that community. It's this great big light shining in the darkness. It's this, this huge contrast to how people normally do life. See, what that means and what that shows us and what it was just as much true for them as true for us is that Christ-like community shows love and kindness and respect to people that are within that community as well as people that are without. You know, it it shows love and care and concern and respect and it ministers to people part of its own community and the people that are are not part of it. It's exactly what Christ does. He, He reaches out and ministers to those close to him those that are part of him, and he reaches out and he ministers to those that are not yet part of him. It's loving. It's serving. It's ministering to people, period. And that is, that is an incredible contrast to what is constantly observed in our surrounding culture and in our surrounding communities. So what makes up Christ-like community? What, what has to be in place? What is it defined by? What are the essentials for making a community truly Christ-like? In Philippians chapter 2, we see some very key, very specific, very vital essential characteristics or qualities that have to be in place, that have to be grown, that have to be maintained for a community to truly be Christ-like. And the Philippian church was also a great example of this. The Jerusalem church, the first church was, so was the Philippian church. I mean, remember how they started. I shared that last week. You had a, had a rich woman who converted to Judaism who was a Greek. You had a, a possessed slave girl. And you had a jailer, a Roman jailer. They, they made up the first nucleus of the church. You talk about different backgrounds. You talk about people who normally would not associate who normally would not really get along, who normally would not have a lot in common, you know, different backgrounds, different interests, different preferences, different views on life, and yet they all came together along with everybody else that became part of this Philippian church. What, 
What made that possible? How did that happen? What united them? Christ. The gospel of Christ. And Christ-likeness that they all chose to pursue, that they all chose to exhibit, that they went after individually and as a group. Great example of what can happen when a a Christ-like community is on display within the church. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and look at the text. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says, If there is any encouragement, if there's any encouragement at all in Christ, any consolation of love, any, any comfort of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on the one goal. You see a theme on display here. Oneness, unity, togetherness, sameness. Not just for the sake of looking the same or being the same, but for the sake of representing a shared faith and love in Christ a shared belief that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life, a shared gratitude for all that he has done, that's what unites. That's what Paul is is urging the Philippian church, who already exhibited this, to keep doing, to keep exhibiting, to keep pursuing this kind of level of oneness. Then, in in what we see here in verse 2, one of the essentials is unity. Unity. Fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Unity is what is on display here. In John 17, 21, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, said this, May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so the world may believe you sent me. Jesus was praying for all disciples, for all the apostles, for, for all those who would come after the disciples and after the apostles, you and me, people who would believe on the message of the gospel. And he said, I want all of them to be together. I want all of them to be one. I don't want them to, to all be pursuing their own agenda. I want them to be together in me, surrounding me. I want unity to be what drives them. So that the whole world can look in and see, wow, these people are really together. What's going on there? Why are they so together? Why are they joined together so much? Why are there people from all kinds of different backgrounds, different stages of life, different ethnicities? They're all together. What's doing that? How is that happening? And we can answer by saying, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that unites us. He's the only one that joins us together. And the world will be able to see Christ on display in and through us. It's unity. It's me not pursuing what I want at the expense of what's good for the entire body. It's you not pursuing what you want at the expense of the entire body. It's us saying, let's pursue Christ. Let's pursue His agenda. Let's make Him known. Let's build up His kingdom, not our own. You know, the world is never going to look in and be impressed by all the great programs that we've got, you know? They're not going to look in and be super impressed by all the different activities that we've got going on. That's not going to wow them. You know, it's not going to impress them. What will impress them, what will wow them, what will make all the difference in the world is if they see oneness, if they see true unity that transcends every other difference, that holds together no matter what circumstances are going on around us. 
when they see us working through problems in a loving way, forgiving one another, you know, instead of just holding grudges, instead of getting mad and upset and then saying, that's it, you know, I'm done with these people. That's, you know, that's the way they operate. That's the status quo of the world around us. So when they see the church deciding, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to forgive you too, and we're going to love and we're going to stay together no matter what, it's this incredible, incredible communication of the unity that only comes through Jesus Christ. Well, in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. That's humility on display. That's humility. It's another essential for a Christ-like community. Humility. This is a hard one because we're always our own biggest fans. You know, we all are. We all have certain things that, that we, we want to see take place for us, for our benefit. We pursue that. We cling to that. We can be our own biggest fans. And humility, what it says is, no, it's you first, then me. Well, how, how can I better your life? How can I serve you? How can I improve your experience? It's you first. I, I don't have to be first. I don't have to be on display. Romans 12.10 says... Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. It, it, it's like taking, taking kind of a competition. It's like, how, how, can, how can I show you, how can I show you that I value you more than me? Well, how can I show you? No, you first. No, you first. No, you first. You know, it, it's like that. It's like outdoing one another in kindness. I'm going to honor you to the best of my ability, and then you're doing the same thing to me. And imagine what that would look like. If each of us is trying to kind of outdo the other person in showing honor, I mean, that'd be awesome, right? We'd have an entire church full of people putting the other people first. It'd be an incredible example of what is required for Christ-like community, humility. Then in verse 4, Paul says, Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And that's servanthood. Servanthood is on display. You can't have servanthood unless you are also exhibiting humility. And servanthood can be messy. It's not always going to be neat. It's not always going to be pretty. You know, when, when you're serving someone, you're placing yourself below them. You're saying, you are higher in my priority than I am. You're more important right now. Let me, let me give my life to serve you. It's denying yourself. It's dying to yourself. It's saying my agenda is not what is important here. Servanthood. Mark 10, 44 through 45, the Lord Jesus said this, And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, could have come and, and had everyone bowing before him. He could have lifted up his entitlements and said, you know, hey, I'm the creator. I need some things from you. Worship me, bow down before me, serve me, wait on me every minute. He didn't do that. Instead, he said, I'm here to serve. And I'm going to go so far in my service that I'm going to offer up my life as a ransom. And if we are to exhibit Christ-like community... We have to exhibit the same characteristic, servanthood. 
you serving one another. I serve you. We all serve together in the name of Christ. And that's what marks a Christ-like community. And then lastly, verse 5 through 8, verses 5 through 8 say this, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. John fifteen thirteen says, No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Unity, humility, servanthood, and sacrifice. These are the essentials that must be in place for there to truly be Christ-like community on display. This is what separates us from any other sense of community. This is what separates us from, from the local communities that are established around us, from your work, from your neighborhood, from your school. Because community, in the general sense, it can only go so far. It can only be so fulfilling. We all want community. We all pursue it. That's why when people leave a small town or a small area and they go to a a bigger city, a bigger area, the first thing they do, first thing most people do, is be in search or pursuit of some sort of community, you know, to be a part of, some sort of identity to connect to. Because we all want it. We We are wired for community. God established that within us, a hunger, a longing for community, togetherness. And there's a lot of great communities that we can be part of. It's not really that hard to form a community in the general sense. But at some point, you're still going to be wanting something else. You're still not going to be completely fulfilled. Because the the true and total fulfillment, the true purpose, the true meaning, it only comes about from Christ-like community. I really believe that lasting community the most genuine, the most authentic, the most beneficial, can only be found in the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And it comes when, when I'm exhibiting and pursuing unity, and you are too. And when, when I'm exhibiting and pursuing humility, when I don't think too much of myself, and you don't either, we're pursuing humility together. When, when I'm pursuing and exhibiting servanthood, I'm trying to serve you with all of my heart, and you're trying to serve me, and we're doing that with with each other. And then we're sacrificing. We're saying, I'm going to sacrifice what I may want to see happen for the sake of everybody else, and you're doing the same. And you see how each of these feeds into one another? You can't really have unity unless you have humility. Because if we're all trying to build ourselves up, We're not going to be together, we're not going to be unified, and there's certainly no humility on display. And if you're going to be a servant, if I'm going to serve you and you're going to serve me, we have to be humble enough to do that. We have to say, I don't think too much of myself to serve you. You know, it's not all about me. It's about me working for you, for your betterment, and you working for me, for for my betterment, and doing that mutually together. You don't have that without humility. And you definitely don't have servanthood without sacrifice. Because to serve someone else means you sacrifice 
a lot of the time what's important to you. You sacrifice your agenda. You sacrifice what you have elevated and built up. See, Christ-like community is willing to leave its comfort zones. It's willing to leave the walls of its own bubble to go rescue the lost, the hopeless, and the needy all around us, just like Christ did. Because verses 5 through 8 of Philippians 2 paint this incredible picture of the God of all the universe, the creator of everything, the eternal Son of God. You have him leaving heaven. Think about that for a minute. Jesus, who existed for all of eternity with the Father in a relationship like we can't even fathom, togetherness and fellowship and mutual love and respect that he enjoyed for all of eternity up to the point of leaving. It's what John 1 tells us all about. He had the worship of of angels, the glory of heaven, perfect love, perfect fellowship, perfect worship, and he left all of it. And he came to this earth, cold and dark, full of sin, coming knowing he would be rejected, not accepted, knowing he would be despised, not worshipped, knowing he would be forsaken, not clung to, knowing that by, by laying down his life, all for the purpose of saving ours, it would mean his father, who he had never been separated from for all of eternity up to the point of the cross, would no longer look at him. His own father would turn away, would forsake him, also that we could be accepted. He endured rejection by his father so that we could be embraced by the father. He endured hate and mocking and judgment also that we could have love forgiveness and eternal acceptance you have the creator of everything becoming the slave for everyone it says that Jesus who was in the form of God what that means is he was divinity what the father was Jesus as the son was fully God along with the father along with the Holy Spirit three in one you had the, the eternal God who did not consider equality with the Father, which he had as something to be manipulated, something to cling to, something to use for his own advantage, something to grasp onto and not let go of. You see, he didn't cling to his rights. He didn't cling to what was naturally his. He let go of it. How? Why? For what purpose? For the sake of everyone else, for the sake of being a servant, for the sake of being a sacrifice, and all out of love. You have the creator of all things humbling himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross, which was the most unimaginable method of torture ever, reserved for the worst of the worst. Not even regular criminals were crucified. That's something the Roman Empire reserved for the worst of humanity. Think terrorist. Think mass murderer. Even the Romans despised using the cross because of its brutality. And yet that's where where Jesus was placed. All out of love. All for the purpose of rescuing and redeeming us. And he had humility on display. He was truly a servant. And his servanthood went to the ultimate degree, which was sacrifice. Imagine, church. Imagine 
what each of our lives would look like if we consistently lived this out. You know, if we consistently lived this out in all of our unique contexts, in all of our unique communities that we're all part of, you know, you're, you're part of communities that I'm not, and I'm part of communities that, that you're not. Imagine what that would look like, the difference that would take place. If I, if I exhibited this kind of, these kind of characteristics, if I pursued unity among my fellow believers at all costs, imagine what, what our church staff would look like, guys, if we all pursued unity together, if we all pursued humility and servanthood and, and sacrifice. Now, that's not a problem really in our church staff, right, because we, we have the perfect staff. You know, Faith Baptist is blessed with, with just the absolute example of what a church staff should be like, right? Wow, they don't believe us, guys. Something's wrong. Imagine, imagine if we all, in every setting we were in, our school, our work, our neighborhood, our families, if we all said, you know what, because I'm in Christ, above every other community I'm part of, Above every, other, above every other thing that defines me, above every other aspect of my identity, I am part of the church. I am part of Christ-like community, and that's what I'm going to pursue. That's what I'm going to exhibit. Just imagine the difference that would be in every aspect of your life. The difference that would be on display in, in, in your work if you lived this way and your other fellow believers there lived this way the difference that would take place. And the people that aren't believers there, they would take notice and they would say, what in the world has happened? What's going on here? You know, if, if all of the bosses that are over you would, would not anymore have to be on you to do the task that they've given you or, or to do so with a good attitude, all of a sudden you did it willingly. You did it before being asked. You went over and beyond even your job description and you served everybody else at your workplace. The, the owner, the manager, whoever's over you would, would not know what to do about that. And the other workers around you would just be blown away. Imagine if in our family context, husbands and wives exhibited this together, unity, humility, servanthood, and sacrifice. If we, we just kept pursuing that, the difference that would take place in our marriages. Imagine if, if we treated our children the same way and modeled that for them and, and encouraged them to do the same and they started doing that on their own. Wow, <laughs> what, what would our families be like? It'd be the dream that we all have for our families. And imagine if we had a church, if this church, if Faith Baptist, just consistently and increasingly exhibited these kinds of characteristics, if we were truly a Christ-like community, where we pursued unity together over all other things, that we said everything else is secondary to the unity that we are supposed to have and the unity that we can have. And if we said, each of us individually and then together as a group, if we said, I'm going to pursue humility. I'm going to beg God to, to enable me to have it and to exhibit it. I'm going to chase after it. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to choose it. And if we each said we're going to serve one another, if we each had that mentality and that mindset, and that's the passion that drove us, how can I serve you better? And, and the other person was saying, no, no, how can I serve you better? Putting one another first. And then if we each pursued a lifestyle or a mindset of sacrifice, mutual sacrifice for the good of the whole body. What it would look like, I'll tell you, it would look like 
God's desire for the church. It would look like what Jesus Christ prayed for before he went to his death. It would look like what the world desperately needs and whether they admit it or not, what they want, what they look for, what they search for, what they pursue, but what they so often do not find. We've all been part of communities that make you feel welcome as soon as you come into it, you know. We've all been there, and we know how great that feels. We've also, I think, most of us, if not all of us, have seen the other. We know what it's like to come into a community and instantly know you're not welcome because you're outside of the established community. And we know how awkward that is and how uncomfortable that is and how hurtful, right? We've all been there. And I know, I know you've never had that experience in church, right? I mean... I mean, every church you've ever been part of has just instantly, you know, totally connected with you and made you feel valued and made you feel welcome. You've never had the experience of not feeling like you're, you know, meant to be there, right? That's never happened to anybody. If that were only true, right? If that were only true. Because we each, I think, at least most of us, have unfortunately had the experience of, even in the body of Christ, being made to feel second-rate, not as welcomed as other people are, you know? Not like we're valued or have something to contribute. I know I have. I've been part of that. I've been part of a church community before where, you know, you you might as well not even be there because of how you're made to feel. You know, there's judgment sometimes. There's criticism. There's cliques. But to borrow from James what he said, my brothers, such things should not be so. That's not what we're called to to exhibit. The body of Christ, Christ Christ-like community, is called to exhibit selflessness. It's called to exhibit servanthood. It's called to exhibit sacrifice. It's called to exhibit unity so that when anyone comes in from the outside, they see a group of people that truly values them, that truly loves them, that welcomes them, that extends to them respect, and concern. That's the type of community that Jesus Christ had in mind for the church. That's the type of community that will make all the difference. That's Christ-like community. And that takes some very intentional focus. It takes strategy. It's not going to just happen. It does not just take place randomly and spontaneously. It means we each have to pursue it. it. We have to work towards this. And it is work. It takes work. Because it means I'm constantly having to choose this kind of mindset as opposed to what comes naturally. Because what comes naturally to each of us is the opposite. And it's what is found in every other community all throughout the world. What makes Christ-like community difference is Christ and the power of the Spirit that we each have. But it takes choosing that. It takes pursuing that. It's intentional. It's strategic. It's constantly asking, how can we do more of this? How can we be better? How can we sharpen up? we're not doing so good in one area what what needs to happen there to make it better and it's each of us looking out for one another christ-like community is absolutely possible and it's absolutely commanded and it's the only thing that's really going to set us apart it's what i want i know it's what you want we all want it we all look for it and we all recognize when it's not taking place but we also can recognize when it is and man when christ-like community is being exhibited in the body, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
Oh, there's such joy. There's such freedom. There's such purpose. That's what I want. That's what I want for us. And I think it's what you want as well. And it's only going to happen by dependence and surrender and yielding to the Holy Spirit and by helping one another in it. You know? It's, it's keeping each other accountable in this way. It's coming alongside one another and, and pursuing and building this up together. It's unity. It's humility. It's servanthood and it's sacrifice. Let's make sure that Faith Baptist, this church, this local assembly, even if no one else around us exhibits Christ-like community, let's, let's make sure that we do. Let's choose that. Let's pursue that. Let's keep that active and growing in our church, no matter what, okay? Let's pray together. Everybody bow with me. You know, the, the thing about Christ-like community, it seems obvious, but it still bears repeating. It still bears mentioning. The only way to have Christ-like community is to be in Christ, first of all. So what has to happen. You know, you have to be in Christ, part of Him, to be able to exhibit Christ-like community within the church. So I wonder, is there anyone here today that would say, I'm not actually in Christ. I know I'm not. Jesus is not my Savior, my Lord. I've not ever really committed my life to Him. I've not surrendered to Him. But I know I need Him. I want Him to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I want to be able to play a part in establishing Christ-like community. And I know I need Christ first. Is there anyone who would say, that's me? Would you pray for me in that way? Anybody at all? Okay? then Christian, maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit has convicted you that you have not been really pursuing the essentials that we looked at that are part of Christ-like community that have to be there. Maybe you haven't really been pursuing unity, or maybe you've not been exhibiting humility. Maybe you really haven't been pursuing servanthood, and you haven't been living in a sacrificial way for the sake of your brothers and sisters. Now, we all all have areas of improvement in this and we all have things that we struggle with I just want to know is there anyone who would say would you please especially pray for me in this way what I really need some prayer for God to work in my heart to change some things in me this is what I want I want to pursue this I want to be known this way I want to contribute to this body in this way would you pray for me anyone that would say that's me anyone at all thank you for your honesty thank you amen appreciate that anyone else I could pray for Thank you. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of the Philippian church and the early church in Jerusalem that, that showed us what this can be like. And these were ordinary people, Father, with, with problems and weaknesses just like we have, stresses in their life, in many ways much more than we experience today, and yet they were still able to choose to pursue Christ-like community. They exhibited unity and humility and servanthood and sacrifice. It was on display in every area of their life. And you blessed that and you used that. And Father, I know, I know you desire to do the same thing today. You desire for that to be true of us here. We need your help. 
We need the power of the Spirit that you've given us through your Son to accomplish these goals. For this to be true of us, for this to define us. And I just pray right now for those specific brothers and sisters of mine who who raised their hands just now and said, yes, one or or more of these areas, I'm just not exhibiting, I'm not pursuing, this is not true of me, and I I want that to change. They're saying that that they want to contribute to this local body here, they want to pursue it, and they want to be used of you to bring this about here and now in this place. Father, please honor their desire. You know what needs to change in their hearts, you know what needs to change in mine, and You know what you desire to do in each of our lives. I just pray that by your Spirit's power you would accomplish that. And and for those who raise their hands, please work in a very direct and a very specific way in them. And lead them and change what needs to be changed. And show them the part you want them to play here in this local body to make Faith Baptist truly a Christ-like community of believers. That everyone else looks in and says, wow, look, look at what they're, what they're doing. Look how they serve one another. Look how they love one another. Man, are they humble. They just sacrifice for one another in the sake of the gospel. Wow. Oh, Father, let that be true of us. Work in all of us in that way, I pray. Thank you most of all, Father, for the example of your son Jesus. The ultimate picture of everything that we've looked at and considered today. Thank you for his willingness to lay aside the unbelievable glory and beauty and wonder of heaven. To lay aside the the crown that was rightfully his to come and be our slave. To come and give his life that we may have life full and forever. We are blown away by the love and the sacrifice of your son Jesus. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name with thanks. Amen.